welcome to episode 9 of the Nordic Arts Agency podcast, a podcast connecting emerging and established international artists and art influencers from around the globe. I'm your host, Juliette Rees Nielsen, a British expat, art historian, and gallerist based in Sweden. Every fortnight, I'm in conversation with an artist or art influencer whose artwork or insight inspires me personally. The Nordic Arts Agency currently has 12 international artists who are exclusively represented in Scandinavia, and this will be an opportunity to explore their creative process and vision in more depth. This week, we're joining British figurative artist Molly Brocklehurst from her studio in South London. Molly hit the British art scene in brilliant fashion last year, being shortlisted for numerous prestigious awards and being named as one of Saatchi Art's Rising Stars of 2019. Her work was also included in the Her Story exhibition held in the Maddox Gallery Mayfair, London, in April. I originally met Molly at an art exhibition in 2019, and I was struck by her large-scale paintings, composed of grayscale figures steeped in history and a slight macabre narrative offset by uplifting pastel palettes. They presented a somewhat alternative universe, which was both intriguing, beguiling and compelling. Molly's painting has already been featured in the Wings private collection in London, and we're delighted to represent her in Scandinavia exclusively. Welcome, Molly Brocklehurst. Hi, Juliet. Thank you for that lovely introduction, and thank you for having me. Well, it's wonderful to welcome you to the podcast, Molly. It feels like ages since I met you in January when I visited you in your studio in London. And I think um, pre-COVID seems like another lifetime. Uh, And when we initially met, we decided to feature two of your works, Colony and Intrusion, in our international art pop-up at Hansa, which opened in May. And the idea was really to gauge the reaction of your work in a large group exhibition in a completely new marketplace of the Nordics. And I'm really delighted to see the collector's reactions as many people really have identified with your work. The exhibition is ongoing. So um, I felt it would be wonderful to reach out to you now and really understand a little bit more of your work. Because I know I have lots of collectors asking questions about what's really behind the pieces and your inspiration. So both of the pieces that we currently have, the paintings, Colony and Intrusion, feature relatively contemporary figures set against the backdrop of an urban landscape. It would be wonderful, Molly, if you could firstly explore these two works and your creative process and inspiration behind them. Yeah, so uh, Colony and Intrusion were painted from photographs that I found in a flea market. Um, The album belonged to a family in Brighton, a seaside city on the south coast of England. Um, You can kind of make out the pier in both paintings um, and you can see people on deck chairs on the left of Intrusion too. It's interesting working from the same collection of photographs like I did with this series of paintings because you learn so much about that particular family's life Um, you sort of form this strange abstract relationship with them having not ever met them. Although I take my subjects from across all forms of media, antique shops and flea markets are where I find most of my photographs and these trigger the start of all my paintings. Each photograph is embedded with this undetermined past which I then translate into a nostalgic fiction through paint. In terms of my technique, I embrace the ambiguous and the accidental I play around with the composition whilst I'm painting, adding things in and taking things out. And I keep doing that throughout the whole painting process. The end result is always so different to how I first imagined it would be. But I think that keeps it interesting. Painting from these old photographs means I'm inclined to paint 
with a muted palette because it conveys a sense of the past. Faded colours resemble old things, whereas bright things make us think of modern, new things. I use lots of pastel colours for the background because I like the dreamlike quality this brings to the composition. I really connected with the pastel palettes that you used, actually. And as you say, there's the nostalgia which draws you in. And because the palette's very soft and warming, it feels very comfortable and welcoming. And I also love the idea of you sourcing these old black and white photographs from flea markets and almost breathing a completely new life into them within your work and giving them a second sort of try, you know, in in a way, in a new environment completely. Both of these works uh, that are on exhibition at the moment feel much more current than much of your painting, as often there's a deeper sense of historic ceremony or costume or ritual. And for me, I think I saw initially uh, Salem Walk and Crowning when we first met in London at the art exhibition. And both of these works conjured up for me a slightly disturbing and uneasy narrative. When you source the images, is it what, what appeals to you about them to use them in your abstract compositions? Are you instantly connected or a particular image or photograph? Yeah, so I, when I go through my flea market trips and antique shops and find the photographs, the selection process is, is important. Photographs contain many essences that make us feel emotions and there are certain photos that I'm drawn to and that fascinate me. And it's interesting because all these photographs are found and discarded and and so I'm kind of revitalising them through the act of paint. But going back to the Salem Walk and Crowning, these are images from old archives of photos that I found online. Recently, I've become interested in these lost traditions and ritualistic events, such as parades and festivals and gatherings. And these are quite clearly referenced in my latest paintings. Salem Walk and Crowning are inspired by photographs of May Day in its purest form. I think um, I think there are versions of May Day now, but maybe not to the same extent. People don't know exactly the complicated roots of this ritual and and some believe that the maple origin remains unknown. And so reconstructing these photographs through my painting reflects the uncertainty of the tradition and how um, time has swallowed these histories. By di- dissecting and assembling the photographs, I create fragmented narratives that become disorientating sometimes. We're asked to ponder who these people are, what they are celebrating or mourning, or who they're waiting for. This uncertainty is reflected in the uneasiness and unsettlement of the people in my work. This also led me to look at hauntology. Hauntology is a concept introduced by French philosopher Jack Derrida, who also described it as a nostalgia for lost futures. Essentially, it's the return or persistence of elements from the past. So we think about it, most things are always influenced by the past in some way, whether it be um, media, art, entertainment. In my work, I use a muted palette and varying layers of visibility, which can sometimes create quite a ghostly feel. Some figures appear like shadows or ghosts, which emphasises this hauntological aspect to my work. Similarly, the repetition factor. I often repeat figures in my paintings, which again sort of plays on an idea of things in the past being repeated. I, I like to distort the familiar to seem unfamiliar. I think that's the part which makes me feel unsettled, is is that you feel as though you understand the composition and then there's a moment where you don't because you sort of twist the narrative slightly and introduce elements which are sort of unexpected. I also like the way in which you actually create a filter on some aspect of the canvas. So it's sort of divided with different levels of, of 
depth of colour. Um, so the canvas is sort of playing in different elements in a way. In terms of colour, um, I'd say I'm quite heavily influenced by colour film photography. Uh, when film cameras were the main source of photography, film companies would sometimes alter the colours in photographs to make them seem more aesthetically pleasing. Um, and in doing so, re- represented the world more sort of dreamlike and different from reality, kind of like a utopian looking world. And this is something new that I've begun, begun exploring when looking at colour in my paintings. Kodak, for example, would bring out uh, the colour blue in its photographs. And in my practice, I like the juxtaposition between having these uh, sort of sinister subjects in the backdrop of this utopian, nostalgic world that's created with the with the pastel colours. And I also really enjoy the costumes and fabric in your paintings and because there's a sense of movement and drama but also conformity and restraint. It sort of unsettles me as, as if there's a sort of Mormonesque element which especially affects work such as the dancing ladies or folk dance. What draws you to the clothing and styles that you feature in your work? Because they're quite varied, Molly, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I'd say um, the costumes uh, are becoming more and more important in my work. The more I look at these old traditions and ritualistic events, the more I become sort of obsessed with the clothing that goes with it. And I've sort of started using them as props to signal the emergence of different worlds and to try and distort, like I said before, the familiar to seem unfamiliar. May Day is a good example for this, um, mixing up different sorts of costumes in the painting. There are a combination of time time periods that make up the composition, ranging from the medieval man in his purple costume, looking like something from Robin Hood, to the man wearing his 1700s wig, to the woman in her sort of 1900s May Day clothes, to the girl with the modern day Bugs Bunny hat. And this is just to name a few of the characters in the painting. The combination of time periods goes back to this idea of um, hauntology, the notion of the past repeating itself. In the end, it kind of reminded me of a theatre set with everyone in their costumes and on the stage with like a painterly mountain in the background. Um, But aside from that, I think I'm also just naturally drawn to the ethereal quality of the long flowy dresses and fabrics um, as seen in Um, folk dance and dancing ladies in particular it's kind of sort of out of this world the theatrical aspect that you mentioned is really present in in lots of the work and I and I think that actually it's 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 that those sort of theatre moments with the grayscale figures which I think are, are really a wonderful combination and and also the scale of the work because obviously you're working as you're saying predominantly from either archived small photographs you perhaps view online or photographs you've sourced from flea markets and then you take these sort of small relatively small images and you bring them to life on these large scale canvases how important is the scale of your compositions to your work I have painted all different types of scale uh, and always come back to the large scale paintings there's something quite amazing about sort of blowing up such a discarded photograph that you find from a flea market and making it into this huge, large-scale painting that's quite satisfying. I also just really enjoy having a big space to work on. It feels like you're less restricted and there's more space to play around. And I just prefer painting figures at a larger scale. Um, 
I do, however, try to vary it up because I know that it can be harder to accommodate such a large painting. I've also begun experimenting with the diptych and triptych canvases arrangements. A lot of this direction came from being inspired by the work of Ida Applebrug, who plays around with multiple canvas arrangements. Splitting up the image with these additional canvases exaggerates this idea of fragmented narratives and creates a further distortion, which I like. With Dancing Ladies, for example, I wanted the thin canvas to be a continuation from the main canvas, but also something that could add a different element to the painting. So the side canvas shows more information with its detailed background of a house, and this kind of exaggerates the absence in the main canvas and hints to what the main canvas is missing. And then going back to film photography, it kind of reminds me of that with the, it's kind of like a bleached effect that happens when you leave a book on a photograph and then so the rest of the photograph is bleached from the sun. I don't know if that makes sense, but it reminds me of that as well. That totally makes sense. And there is that feeling throughout the work that you're capturing these moments, but they are, they have this natural historical distortion that fades over time in a way which is wonderful it's so lovely to hear you talk about the different aspects of your work because you are a young artist Molly and it's it's this discovery point that I feel as though I've really found you at in a way and you're the youngest artist that we represent at the Nordic Arts Agency and as you know one of the objectives of the gallery is to really support fresh international talent and to provide you with a new platform and collector base in the Nordics how, how do you feel as you sort of broken into the art world this and this year how the artwork presents itself to a young female artist today. The exhibition that you took part in, the Her Story exhibition in Maddox Gallery in London, was to celebrate International Women's Day. So is this a really positive time to be an aspiring female contemporary painter, would you say? Yeah, I, I'd say I say it is. Um, for such a long time, female artists were, weren't recognised internationally. It was all about the male artists. So even though there's still a slight gender bias um, remaining issue in the modern art world things are definitely changing and so because of this I'd say it is an exciting time to be a female artist today Um, her story which launched the week of International Women's Day really celebrated this by providing a platform for female talent and to redefine the conversation around women in art and I feel so lucky to have been one of the 12 artists exhibiting at the Maddox Gallery I was exhibiting alongside artists a lot of whom were much more established than me And so it meant that I learned so much from them and just from the experience itself. And to be honest, we were just very lucky to have a private view pre-lockdown. I really wish I'd been at the private view. It looked amazing. And I think it's a great gallery to have representation so early in your career. So I can completely imagine how thrilling that must have been for you. And I'm delighted to have your work in Sweden now and also for our residency at Hansa and the Hansa Loves Art pop-up to have been extended until the end of July, in fact, July the 25th. And we'll also be hosting a group exhibition in October in the gallery, which is called Faces, where we should be showing some of your new works, including The Fabulous Dancing Ladies. And I'm really excited to have that work in the gallery. It's been um, obviously in the private collection in London. For me, Dancing Ladies, I think, when I look at that work, it really reminds me very much of Midsummer in Sweden and, and this great Scandinavian tradition that we do have every June. What do you think the Nordic audience will take away from your work? Yeah, well, firstly, I'm so excited to be involved in that exhibition. And it's good, it's nice to hear you thinking that people will be able to sort of 
relate to the painting. When I think of the Scandinavian colour palette, I think uh, muted colours and maybe some greys and pastel colours. And so this in itself is a similar sort of style to my painting style. And so I hope my paintings will fit in well because of this aspect. But yeah, it's just a delight to be able to show my work in Scandinavia. So huge thank you. Thank you, Molly. And I'm thrilled to have such a bold and talented new female artist as part of the Nordic Arts Agency and to support you in your early career, which is really off to an incredible start. And hopefully, um, all going well, you may well be able to join us in Malmo for the Vernissage in October. I really want that to happen. So fingers crossed that all goes ahead. Hope to see you then. Thank you. And I've included the details of our current Hansa Loves Art pop-up exhibition in the show notes, where you'll be able to see Molly's work currently. And also the digital catalogue you can also find on our website and also Molly's artist page and her website. You can also follow Molly on Instagram and I've also included her link in the show notes. Next time we should be joined by Munich-based abstract painter Frederick Paul as he prepares for his solo gallery exhibition at the Nordic Arts Agency, which is happening in August. Until then, thank you. Bye-bye.